folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory Podcast. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we've got a little bit of a different episode for you. Uh, generally, we like to focus on kind of the national scale. and Big, know, broad topics. That's Post-modernism. right. Postmodernism. That's right. Postmodernism and uh, Trump. Populism. And populism, exactly. Um, but today we're going to take it down to the micro a little bit. Um, in local politics, we have an issue that's going on. Uh, our teachers are really upset about pension problems here in Kentucky, and I think by focusing on the micro, we can shed a little bit of light on the macro and and look at how the kinds of things that are playing out here right in front of our faces um, kind of affect the larger scale, if yeah. you will. No, that's that's what's cool is that we have been able to watch it unfold, and there are lessons within it that you know i mean there's there's a teacher strike in west virginia that recently resolved there was a teacher strike in oklahoma so it applies that way we're also you know some of the themes that we've hit on a lot in the show comes up in this situation as far as like team sports and whatnot as far as local so, activism goes yeah and, and, and getting involved yeah absolutely uh we've we've often called for people to get you know, active with their local politics. And in this case it has, and did that go well or, <laughs> or did it? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Today. Yeah. We'll take a so. look at how everything kind of coalesced and came together. Um, so let's start with the super boring stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Get ready to go to sleep guys. Cause we're going to talk about the history of Kentucky's pension system and you know where we're at now and how we got here. And for the seven of you out there that are like me, get excited. Right. <laughs> um, so one of the things you have to you have to understand about Kentucky is kind of how how we've been run up to this point uh, for most of the 20th century. Uh, our our legislature and our our governorship it was democratic or democratic party. Um, however, recently, uh, as of 2000 the Senate flipped to Republican control. And then in 2016, the House of Representatives here in Kentucky flipped to Republican control. And now we have a Republican governor. But over the period of time that has the most impact on this issue, you've got alternating governors. You've got a Democrat and a Republican, Democrat and Republican. You've got Democrats involved and you've got Republicans involved. So this is not a one-party issue. That's right. Like by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination. Both parties are equally culpable for totally screwing up our pension system. Right. So, so what they've done, you know, people say, oh, the pension's been looted. The pension's been looted. And, and specifically what that means is that when we go to, to pass a budget, we take money that's been, say, earmarked for the teacher's pensions and we go, oh, well, we could really use it over here. Right. And, and we divert it. And uh, and apply it to you know whatever else needs the funds. Yeah, there's actually here in Kentucky there is a actuarial analysis that that comes and and says this is how much you should put into the the fund based on you know how many people are getting older, how many people are in the system, and whatnot. And what has happened more times than not, we've met the minimum. Like there's a state mandated minimum that we have to put in the pension fund, but we have not met what the actuarial analysis calls for. Right, and I think and, we're at like twenty percent funding levels or something? Uh, actually, well, with the uh, with the teacher's fund in particular, I think we're at 37%. Okay. To put that in perspective, uh, the conventional thinking is that once a pension fund gets under 60% funded- It's dead. It's, it's it, you can't save it. Yeah. So yeah. it might be, you know, that might be what we're looking at. But to, to really give you an idea of how bad it is, 
Uh, we have an unfunded pension liability of $40 million. With a B, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Some now, uh, what is it, uh, Moody's, which is one of the credit agencies, they say it's like 62 or $70 billion. Ooh. But yeah, the, the teacher's fund in particular is $14 billion in the hole, and that's part of that larger number, but, mm-hmm. you know. And and I thought that this would really kind of just snap that into frame for everybody. Our tax revenue in the state every year goes into the general fund. Now, there are other things that comprise the general fund. But long story short, the amount of money that we as citizens of Kentucky pay in tax, the amount that's chipped into the general fund by that is $10 billion. Golly. So... Six years, assuming the sixty billion that Booty if we did, says, if we didn't put it towards anything else, <laughs> spent every penny for it six would years. take six years of every dime we give. Yeah, I think I read that um, spread out over Kentucky's citizen, we're citizens, taxpaying citizens. We're looking at forty six thousand dollars per taxpayer. Yeah, as yeah. far as liability goes, I mean that's absurd, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 crazy, and I, I don't know. We we have very much so when you take other things into account, man, we have gotten into a hole over these these pensions that I I don't know. I was looking at our F credit ratings the other day and stuff. I don't I don't know if we come back from this without declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, man. You know, I mean it's 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 absolutely gonna be a tough road. So there's no question that Kentucky's pension system is is broke as fuck. Right. Um it doesn't just affect teachers, but uh recently the teachers have been the the most uh, vocally outraged, if you will. Um, and I think one of the things they're failing to, to really talk about in their messaging is, is why the heck is, is the pension system broke in the first place? And I think right. it goes back a little bit to what we talked about, like raiding the pension fund, but that's not the only reason no. um, that the pension is broke, right? I mean, pension systems have, have been failing across the nation, public and private, for a long, long time. Right, right. And, and ours is probably like, Ours will be a textbook case one day. Like they will teach people how not to run a pension fund by using ours. But so the easy answer, the easy answer that you hear from the teachers and, and, and more so, you know, I mean, it's not really the teachers. I think it's, it's coming from like the KEA and the Which Kentucky, is the Educators, Kentucky Educators yeah. Association, Kentucky's, and, uh, Kentucky's teachers, not a union. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then our, our, like our democratic lawmakers and stuff, they, 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 it's all about the fact that we didn't fund, you know, it's it, the lawmakers did not fund the pension, which is, which is true. true. Yeah. yeah we, we acknowledge that, but that alone does not create a 40 billion, 62 billion, however big it is whole. Um, there's a number of other issues that went into that. Uh, part of it, uh, for instance, the Kentucky chamber of commerce, like they kind of did a breakdown of, you know, what all has contributed to this number. And they had it at 17% was underfunding by the General Assembly. Okay. Uh, 18% was cost of living increases that were uh, perhaps hastily slapped on, maybe okay. to help, you know, to help gain some political uh, yep. you know, leverage and stuff. And, but then 20%, 18% of it, they said, was uh, the economic downturn in 2008. And what did not get affected by the economic and, downturn yeah, no, that, in 2008? That hit every state. That hit every state. Because what you have to understand is that, that pension funds, you know, the teachers pay in. Uh, well, not teachers, but anyone who's part of the, the pension fund, not teachers specifically. Um, and, and the government matches those funds, right? The state, mm-hmm. the state government matches that. And then they play in the stock market with it. Right, right. So... If if something happens to the stock market, that's pensions across the board that are getting right. affected. Absolutely, so. and especially we had begun um, 
or we have here in Kentucky, like here recently, moved uh, more and more into hedge funds. And yeah, those hedge funds, like we were predicting, one of the problems that we had was we predicted returns from pre-2008 that after 2008 didn't materialize and we acted way too slowly in adjusting those numbers. So right. for, for instance, I read something where uh, uh, originally the actuary board, which makes the recommendations, had uh, suggested that we would have a 7.5% rate of return. Well, <laughs> they come back after 08 and they're like, oh no, actually it's probably going to be 6%. Well, that added like 2 billion yeah. to the unfunded liability all of a sudden, you know? Right. So so and, and God forbid you, you take a loss there instead yeah, of <laughs> instead yeah. of a return, like oops. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just it, it's been so mismanaged, man. I mean, uh, there's been people who tried to blow the whistle. There was a guy, I think his name was Chris Tone. There was another guy, Thomas Elliott. Chris Tone was fired by Bashir. Thomas Elliott was just <laughs> fired by Bevin. Uh, Be- Matt Bevin is our current Republican governor. Bashir was our Kentucky governor uh, previous. Um, so like I said, man, I mean, you can't help, but it's both sides. Yeah. And this goes back 40 years. I mean, people have been talking about it now. There haven't been teachers protesting in the street, which maybe it's, it's, you know, too little too late. I don't know. I feel like 20 years ago when we realized what was happening, um, and similar things were happening across the country. I mean, we can go to, we can go to Detroit, um, and look at Detroit and and how their pension systems bankrupted. Yeah, uh, you know the car industry, absolutely. In, in part, in yeah. part, yeah, in part. A, a lot of people try to say that pensions alone killed Detroit, and I mean that's 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 not safe to say. But at the same time, uh, you you can't deny that that pensions had, uh, well, not just pensions, but you know the United Auto Workers had a serious impact on the big three and their ability to compete in the auto industry, and that most certainly contributed to a city that was built. Around one industry, that's right, being perfect for forever. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> no kidding. One of the things before we before we move on from this, I wanted to touch on one of the unique things about Kentucky's pension system is in 1957 when they instituted it, it was it was just too broad, man. Right? Like like they allowed non governmental um, uh, agencies and, and companies and stuff to join into the pension system. And, you know, stuff like uh, social advocacy agencies, uh, there is one, it's like a linen cleaning service that was a part of the... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it was like tied to a hospital, so that made it like, I don't know, it, it <laughs> fell. They, they, they were like, we can justify it. But um, so as we've seen these companies fold, uh, for instance, there was a, 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 a daycare center. Um, and when I say daycare, I don't mean child, but like a, a social rehabilitation center. Let's, okay. let's say that. Um, they got to the point where they had like a $250 million liability for the pension fund. Couldn't pay it. They folded. Well, here's the thing. They're gone. They're not paying in anymore. But all their people are all still owed a pension. their folks are still collecting that pension. And so we're looking at, for it? We're looking at Western Kentucky University and Eastern Kentucky University being in the same boat. Yeah. You know, they are in danger of folding and then we're still on the hook for their pensions. Yeah, so. especially in Kentucky where you have like, this this inviolable contract, and we'll talk about that a little more la- later. But yeah. like this stuff, w- once you're promised the pension, you know, and, and it's good. It's a good thing. Generally, we wanted to, you know, part of the reasons for a strong pension is to attract good workers, and, right. and teaching is not a high paying career. So right. anything you can do to sweeten that deal attracts, yeah. you know, ideally attracts better teachers. So yeah. we've really in Kentucky, we've we've made a stand on this as a promise. Um, in fact, uh, you know, Matt Bevin even 
came out and said, you know, had a slogan behind it and said, we're keeping the promise, which is yeah. funny because because Matt Bevan in this whole thing is is being painted as the villain. And whether that's right or wrong, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, too. Um, but I've got a quote here from him. He says, make no mistake, there will be no changes, clawbacks or reductions to the paychecks of current retirees. There will be protections for health care benefits. That is a promise you can literally take to the bank. Right. And and I think. It's an important thing to point out early in the episode um, because this promise between Kentucky and its teachers is part of what makes this whole thing such a sticky wicket. Right. Um, Because on one side, we're faced with the reality of being $40 billion in the hole, you know, 40, Mm -hmm. however many thousand, 46,000 per taxpayer. Um, and, And at the same time, the teachers feel like they need to get what they're promised. And, right. and I, tend to, I tend to agree, mm-hmm. um, but when we come to this point where we're talking about Kentucky maybe, be, maybe going completely bankrupt yeah. as a result of this promise, well, you're part of Kentucky too. Yeah. You know, the yeah. teachers, so, so at what point do you, you know, do you make some concessions right. and back off? You know, I don't know. If I was in that position, I'd be mad as hell. I'd be protesting too. I, I absolutely... Um, understand that point and especially like when you take things into account like for instance teachers in Kentucky aren't eligible for social security that's right so of course it becomes all the more important in fact, and whether oh, my, sorry, my father is a, is a retired teacher and um, before he taught he had a regular old job at a tile company or something selling mm-hmm. tile um, and paid money into social security Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to collect social security from the, from the amount that he paid in. Oh, wow. Um, so not only do teachers not pay in and not receive social security, but if they've paid in prior to their job as a teacher, they forfeit that too. Wow. So wow. I just, wanted, just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. But it, so the inviolable contract, we have the strongest, uh, what's largely considered one of the strongest inviolable contract languages in our pension, but you know. Um, of anybody in the country. And it does, like you say, it creates an interesting point because if we go back and we look at Detroit, um, that's kind of the situation I think they got into. At at one point, if you took all the wages and all the compensation, uh, that's pension plan, you know, healthcare plan and all that stuff that the big three were given their employees, it amounted to $76 an hour. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Toyota and the, you know, Mitsubishi and other, other companies that had built plants here, uh, you take all their numbers. They're not UAW. They're not union. Okay. Uh, it was $46 an hour. So again, I'm not going to say that that one factor contributed to their downfall, but when the big three come to you and they say, Hey, we are struggling. Uh, the Japanese companies are kicking our ass. Is there any way you can take a pay cut? And you're like, this is what I'm owed. Yeah. Well, that's cool, but you might reach a point where the company has now gone bankrupt. Well, that's what Kentucky is looking that's at. That's exactly like, what we're looking and at. And then now, nobody yeah. gets anything. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so. right. Um, so I think from here, let's, uh, let's dig into exactly what has been going on recently with the pensions um, mm-hmm. in Kentucky. And I think we got to start with uh, SB1. Right. Which is the the pension bill that Kentucky Republicans uh, attempted to pass? Well, it was actually it was uh, so you had mentioned Matt Bevin and the keeping promises thing. Um, more or less, you could you could say that SB one was like the keeping promises bill. Like it was it was the keeping pro- his platform. It was the it was what he wanted uh, for the pension bill. Now you know the the legislature they modified it here and there, but largely 
it was mostly things that he wanted. It included, uh, included things like a, uh, uh, requiring teachers to chip in 3% of their pay on their health care. On their health care, that's right. Uh, Taking some was, of the burden off the state. There was at one point, uh, forgive me, I've had all these numbers going on and stuff, but at one point there was a cost of living decrease. That's right. Which, then, it, then it became a five-year freeze. You I know, think Kentucky's so. been relatively flat as far as it comes to cost of living increases. So yeah. that's kind well, of like the, a double slap in the face, right? Well, the pension's uh, been a steady uh, 1.5 year after year. Now their pay, that's something else okay. we're, yeah we're, we're focused on pension but yeah no kentucky teachers pay has been uh fairly fair pretty much frozen for years yeah, yeah absolutely so um and that uh that plan was uh you know it's pretty much doa i mean you know the, they they put the bill out there the teachers rightly so uh in my opinion uh protested it you know did their thing um however i will say that uh, they didn't offer much of an alternative if we look at what the KEA offered, because the KEA looked at this $40 billion unfunded liability, and they put out a plan that was basically like, what if we keep everything the same and just give future teachers the option to invest in 403Bs, which are a, a lot like 401Ks, Yeah, and, uh, and you're not on the hook for that liability because they have the option to do the the 403b and it's like well that's cool but like we still owe 40 billion dollars <laughs> like the- i don't know if you're addressing the situation with that you know what i mean yeah yeah so so sb1 like you said it was pretty much dead on arrival um kea had problems with it the teachers had problems with it people right. had problems with it and there was there was it died there was radio silence for mm-hmm. a long time um all of a sudden Friday before spring break, uh, every every parent in Kentucky, I assume, uh, got a phone call that said schools will be shut down tomorrow because we don't have enough staff and we don't have enough subs to fill their places. Yeah. And and every parent scratched their heads <laughs> and and went to see what was going on. Well, uh, Kentucky Republicans had passed SB 151 in the middle of the night which was essentially SB1 rewritten with, with all of the concessions that, that KEA and the teachers had, had asked for. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. Yeah, we'll get into that uh, again. Yeah, bar- barring yeah, a couple yeah, yeah, small yeah. things. Um, and, and they attached it under a wastewater management bill, took out every bit of the language from the wastewater bill, and just, boom, smacked in the new SB1 language underneath uh, and passed it. So, of course, teachers, you know, having having been aware of SB1 and, you know, they were ready, the 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 energy was was built up and they've had secret Facebook groups going, talking about, you know, how they're going to how they're going to fight for their pensions, which they should. I'm not saying yeah, there's anything yeah. wrong with that. No, not at all. Um, so, of course, uh, they see SB 151, a 300 page bill passes under a waste management bill and they strike. Yeah. Well, OK, you can't strike in Kentucky. Right. So they called in sick. Well, because yeah, I mean, K is not a union now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, two things. Two things happen here for me. Um. Oh, uh, more than two things, but two main things. Uh, one, the teachers say we've had enough. Yeah. And they stand up. They, they at this point they haven't even read the bill. How right. could they? It's right. two hundred ninety-one pages, and it just passed last night. No one's ever put eyes on it. So, yeah. so they stand up. Go. This won't. This won't pass. We won't stand for this. 
Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens is a really, a really interesting thing that I think needs to happen more and more. Every single parent that had children in Kentucky schools got involved in local politics overnight. Yeah. Because what happened on Facebook the next day, you had half of people going, how dare these teachers do this? Uh, my kid, you know, I've got to call into work or pay, yeah, for, child pay care. for child care. I don't yeah. have enough money for this. How dare you guys do this? And, and the other side of Facebook goes, well, thank God these teachers are standing up yeah. and fighting for their pensions. Right. Um, so immediately we have this, this division in opinion. And, and most of these people, I can guarantee you, don't even know what the issue is Ain't or why it's here. Ain't got a clue. <laughs> they, have, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they don't know. So we saw, um, we saw headlines and social media posts that were saying, you know, Matt Bevin is raping teachers' pensions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Republicans are stealing from Kentucky teachers. And, and I've been following this thing since the, the papers, not long enough, but since yeah. the papers have been saying, you know, Matt Bevin calls teachers thugs. And uh, Bevin calls teachers selfish and short-sighted. And, uh, you know, these were running in the headlines before. That's, that's been the story pretty much since last fall. I mean, that's, I think that's when uh, the thugs quote came about and whatnot. But, yeah. And interesting about the thugs quote. And I'm not here to defend Matt Bevin. Uh, fuck Matt Bevin. I'll just say <laughs> that right now. Yeah. Um, not just for this, for, for all the things uh, Matt Bevin has done poorly yeah. in, his, in his time in office. Uh, but I want to read you guys the quotes uh, because I think this ties into um, lots of the things we've talked about, about the media. Yeah, sensationalism. Um, and, and whipping people into political frenzies and stuff. Um, so I'm going to read the quotes and, and you guys decide whether Matt Bevin was calling teachers thugs and uh, calling them selfish and short-sighted. This is Matt Bevin. How do you possibly make progress with people who either clearly don't understand what's being said to them or don't care? So guys like Joe Bowen literally has a business he used to own being picketed every week and on weekends by people picketing his businesses and telling people not to shop here and not to go there and to call and harass his employees simply because he's trying to save the state's pension system. That's the kind of thug mentality that's being dealt with. That's, uh, you know, he says, he says thug mentality but i i don't know to me yeah it's it's not the same as calling teachers thugs he's saying you know this guy is acting in good faith in bevin's opinion joe joe bowen is acting in good faith trying to come up with a solution for the pension crisis and you're picketing his business and and even that you know okay so we're holding legislators accountable but the part where we do kind of cross the line maybe is calling and harassing employees like so so who knows I don't know enough to say whether or not that happened, but Matt Bevin apparently thought it did, or at least, you know, that was the point he was trying to make. And that's so, what he's, and that's what he's speaking to Yeah, when he's saying that's the kind of thug mentality. Right, right, right. <laughs> is, is not understanding the situation, Yeah, but reacting well, extremely and emotionally. What's clear is that saying uh, Matt Bevin calls teachers thugs is, that's not that's an a, accurate. That's no. a far stretch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the other quote, and these were hard to dig up for some reason, but anyway, uh, the reality is, This is a group of people that are throwing a temper tantrum. If they get what they wish for, they will not have a pension system for the younger people who are still working. And that, to me, is remarkably selfish and short-sighted. But we're going to try to save people in spite of themselves. I think think the part where he says we're going to try to save people in spite of themselves, that's that's prickish Matt Bevin. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we we don't really like. But outside of that, you know, that it kind of kicks back to what I was saying 
just a moment ago about the UAW in Detroit. That is a view is that, you know, hey, we're trying to keep the ship from sinking and you're not allowing us to do it. Now, again, it was in my contract that I can't bail water. Right. right. But, but, but we're taking on water, but we're taking on grab water, a bucket. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's not to say that, you know, all their concerns are, are unreasonable or, or illegitimate or anything like that. But I could see where, you know, like I said, I could see that side being frustrated. I don't think that's that's out of bounds. I mean, that's that's how he viewed it. I don't I don't think that's like, you know, beyond the pale. Yeah, I also don't think it's it's him directly shitting on Kentucky teachers. Right. Um, in fact, I think judging by most of the quotes I've I've read from Bevan, he believes strongly that he is trying to do his best to save teachers. Now, right. he may be misguided in those efforts. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that that Matt Bevan is saying like fuck Kentucky teachers. Now, right. he you know, the people have talked about the Republicans and their desire for charter schools and right. you know how Matt Bevan may be doing all this um you know, to destroy Kentucky schools. So he has a better excuse to bring in charter schools. You know, I, I don't know about that. that it, it sound that sounds to me more like propaganda. You yeah. know what I mean? I like, like uh, we can, we can assume stuff like that about politicians, but until like we see, you know, until we see the evidence or we see it, you know, uh, 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 hard I could not pattern. find, you know, any evidence of like Matt Bevan's, uh, close relatives being invested in charter schools. You know, he's yeah. got some some big plan to make billions off this or something. And I think I, it's important to note, too, that we actually, you know, we put out a call uh, leading up to this episode on social media um, asking for teachers' opinions, and we actually did speak with a few teachers, and we will we will collectively refer to them as deep chalk <laughs> to protect their identities <laughs> because of, you know, just because of the local nature of this story, and we don't want to cause any problems for anybody. But, um, and and that was something that we heard was like, you know, they, they believed that he honestly intended to help, you know, he, well, he's some wrong. Because you know we also heard that some people thought that he honestly intended to destroy schools in order to usher in charter schools because of his Christian agenda. Yeah, but I'm saying like, I, f I felt like that to me felt like that was coming from the top down. Like that, that explanation, it was, it was such a canned response. Yeah. Like, and, and in places I saw it, you know, talking to Deep Chalk and, and the various articles and stuff, like, it, that portion of it was, like, so perfect. You know, well, this charter school thing. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if people are going to, like, make that grand conspiratorial connection. You know what I mean? Like, without assistance. I really don't. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see some evidence for it if it's right, there. Right, right. You know? and, and it may very well be. I think one of the things that we need to, that we need to back up and talk about for a second, though, is... The, the method by which 151 was passed, mm -hmm. right? Because that, that really is like one of the main points of contention in this whole thing. It's what bugs me the most, honestly. Uh, right. Friday when, when, when I woke up, didn't have to take my kids to school, and I'm sitting there you know, reading and scratching my head, thinking, mm -hmm. thinking my way through it. I'm like, well, barring all this other stuff, the fact that, um, that Bevan and his cronies put this new bill, as, you know, even with the compromises, in at the very last minute, um, mm -hmm. under a wastewater bill, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a citizen, concerned citizen at home and I'm, and I'm reading my, my legislature's, uh, uh, bills and stuff that they're passing and I scan through and the headline says wastewater and I skip through it cause I don't care about wastewater. That's a huge disservice to me. You know, right. like, I don't feel like anyone who's trying to get involved with local government and is, and is bill watching and things. 
um, can read every every page of every bill that gets passed. So no, you if you slip something in under an innocuous title, you're doing your voters a very big disservice to me. Right. And that's aside from from any of the other problems with it. Right. Um, but I think as you and I were talking, like maybe there's, you know, maybe sometimes there are good reasons. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, like this kind I, of. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't I don't care for it. I don't want bills to get passed that way. Right. But I think that a couple things come into play. Some of it is, uh, you know, parliamentary. It's like the boring uh, laws that govern the assemblies and stuff and how they have to pass bills. And then some of it is more of that partisanship and misrepresentation, right? So again, did I want this pension bill to be tacked onto a wastewater bill, passed at the last minute, um, you know, people rushing in and out of rooms, don't really know what's going on. That, and I think ultimately uh, there was a teacher strike because they didn't solidly know what was in that That's bill. That's right. They felt like they had to. Right. But at the same time, there's a couple things that we got to remember. For one, you can't propose a new bill after February the 15th, right? In, here in Kentucky, right? During the legislative session. So for anything to get done with the pension system, it was going to have to be tacked on to another bill, right? So then the question becomes, well, is it important or did it need to wait? Well, if you're <laughs> looking at a $40 billion unfunded liability and you also have budget talks the following week, which they had to make, those considerations are important. Okay. And so, I'll see you that. Okay. Now, however, on the other side, when you, when you have Matt Bevan, who, you know, may or may not have called teachers thugs and, um, you know, wants to, wants to push charter schools and stuff, why, as Matt Bevan, would you sign this bill into law the day before spring break when you know teachers are primed to blow like a powder keg? Like, at least... Send an email to KEA at the very least. Let them know, you know, heads mm -hmm. up. We're going to pass this bill. Here's the text. Look over it. Um, it's almost like to me, this was a calculated move uh, to make teachers look bad. Well, because <clears throat> because here's what happens when the teachers wake up. Uh, well, I guess in the in Thursday night uh, when they when they see what happens and, and they're talking on their secret Facebook groups. And they go, we don't know what's in the bill. We got to strike, right? Right. And then they strike the next day. And as it trickles down from those who are, are reading the bill and, and, and telling them what's in it, they realize, well, shit, almost everything we asked for is in this bill. That really makes them look like goofballs. It does. But I think, I think you're looking at it in a little bit of a vacuum because for you, it's the idea that the teachers, you know, saw this bill, saw that it was passing. And then, the, you know, and then the, the KEA or whoever decided that they needed to go ahead and, and, and strike or walk out or whatever they did. But that's not quite what happened. There was news coverage of it throughout the day. And don't forget that Democratic lawmakers all day in the news, on the news, on, on the Internet, on TV, you know, I don't know about radio, possibly. We're saying, we don't know what's in this bill. This is crazy. This is madness. You know, there's, there's a video now, one dude telling the other guy that it's unconstitutional. And we'll, oh, get sure. into, we'll get into the, the constitutional question of it, you know, here in a bit. But here's the thing. This bill was largely SB1. And they changed about nine pages of it. That's right. So when lawmakers go on TV and tell the teachers, when Democratic lawmakers who were, you know, allegedly fighting for the interests you know, at least in their minds of the KEA and the teachers versus evil Bevan, 
and tell them it's a 291 page bill that you know we haven't had time to read and said no player you had to read about nine pages of it and those nine pages can turn you know contain terms conditions and stuff that you've been debating back and forth for about eight months now. Right. So I, as far as you not having time and it being last minute, Hail Mary, it, it wasn't quite like that. Well, I heard rumors of there being, you know, locked doors and, and well, only certain people privy. And there, it, I'm not saying that there weren't some things, you know, and, and uh, part of that, you know, they had this weird committee meeting and, and, uh, they didn't let the public into it, but that's not uh-huh. that's not that. Uh, here's the thing: when you have a committee meeting, you have to make it public. You don't have to let the public in, and the public often isn't invited in. Sure. When you have space constraints, what they have to do is they then have to take that session, film it, and put it on TV so that the entire public can see what went down. You can't do stuff, you know, under under behind the covers. You know what I mean? So it, it that's what I'm saying. Some of these things. Not to say that, you know, I like them or not to say that I necessarily agree with all of them, but they were also blown a bit out of proportion and Mm. skewed, which also contributed to that hysteria. Bills like bills are passed like this for better or for worse all the time. So I'm not saying that we should pass bills like this. What I am saying is that this was not all that unusual. Right. And and, and I can see that. uh, And I'm not saying it's unusual. I'm just saying it's fucking scummy. And and there are plenty of states that have that have passed laws about bills that have to have descriptive titles that actually apply to the contents of the bills. Right. Like it's about time, man. Kentucky, yeah. we've got it. We've got to do it. Do it this year. Bevan, do it this year. Right. Like stop the scummy practices. Um, it's just it's gross for, for more reason than one. Um, you know, usually if, if you're if you're doing this kind of thing, uh, it's probably for less than moral purposes yeah more than likely there's there's a chance sometimes it it very much so is see what i think it is is you had two sides that were completely unwilling to compromise well that's true right and we got up towards the end of the session i mean they they basically they had a week to get this done if they were going to get something done and get the budget and they also you know had to do a tax bill to to make the budget work within like a week well it takes like if you go through the processes and all this stuff it can take like five days to get a bill passed. That's right. So, you know, partly it is just the nature of the beast there. And, and, and sure, we could look into it and maybe find ways to. to uh, we can definitely you know, find ways yeah. to, to improve the <laughs> process. I, I will not argue with you. I'm all for <laughs> clarity, man. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of compromise, we, we heard from a teacher um, on social media, right, that was saying, uh, that that now there's a there's a small window in this in this SB 151 that that did pass um, teachers from 2008 to 2013, uh, 2003, 2003 to, to 2008. So they are going to have to take a one percent um, hit, uh, not a hit exactly. I guess it shifts the burden of their health care. 1% off the state and onto their paycheck. So yes, right. they're taking a Yeah, a no, they are taking a 1% pick. Yeah. And and this teacher was was just angry about it, you know, and not yeah. and not willing to make that concession and and this this ties back into the whole ship thing. Like if the ship is sinking, like man, it's 1%. I know it sucks. Yeah. But what what else are we going to do? Right, you know what right. I'm saying? I mean, what, do, do we go back to that 403B plan and like that's it? You know yeah. what I mean? So what was what was interesting about this is there is a KEA breakdown on their website of SB 151. And it struck me because you got to remember KEA helped to organize this strike. 
But the first thing the KEA... Sick out, not strike. Sorry, sick out. But the first thing the KEA touts is what's not in the bill, right? They're like, well, hey, here's the good news about 151. They were like, the, the COLA decrease, the cost of living decreases aren't in there. The 3% pay cut for healthcare, which became the 1% pay cut, uh, isn't in there. Uh, there's no elimination of minimum sick day requirements. Uh, they're not closing off the pension system completely to new teachers and stuff. Uh, they're not giving, making teachers take 401ks. That was incentive bill. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're touting all these things and, and it, it quickly becomes obvious that there are, there are basically four things, uh, that are points of contention. But other than that, this bill is largely all the things that the teachers didn't want stripped out. Right. You know, so now I understand that she, you know, the teacher that we saw who was complaining about the 1%, she's still upset. But the way it's being portrayed outside of the KEA's, you know, website is that this was just a huge loss. It was passed in the middle of the night and they've been completely screwed over. But then that, that you know how it happened Friday right before spring break. But then all of a sudden it got real quiet. That's right. It got real quiet. And the reason was it quickly became apparent that at that point, looking at what we were looking at with a Republican controlled governorship and general assembly. That bill may be the best you were ever going to get. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I'm not going to say whether it's generous or not. I'm just going to say that may be the best bill you could have possibly hoped for. And, and that, that brings me to the next week because an interesting thing happened. Um, you know, we had spring break. Teachers came back from spring break. And then that Friday, they protested again. Again. But the, the messaging was, was totally unclear. Right. I mean, I wasn't seeing um, anything about big reasons or, or what they what was going on. It was just show up in Frankfurt and support your teachers. Right. Uh-huh. And guess who's there standing up, you know, with the teachers making her speech to get out and vote is, a, you know, a local Democratic politician. Mm-hmm. And I'm going. Well, what are you striking over now? Like 151's done. Oh, well, now it's about the budget. Right. No. It's not about the budget. It's about <laughs> politics. It's yeah. about getting a Democratic politician on the stump to stand up there and look nice and say, I stand with teachers. Well, guess what? Your party has not stood with teachers. Yeah. Not for 40 years. Yeah. They've been, they've been just as big of a part of the problem. So to me, that Friday almost made me wretch mm-hmm. because I realized that that what's happened now is, is beyond the pension. It's beyond the teachers. Um, it's beyond the 40 billion. Now we're just, now we're just in it for politics. Yeah. And, and the teachers that are there, I don't think you could ask most of them what they want. I don't right. think you could say, what are you asking for here? Uh, I think most of them are looking for that answer I from think, on high. I think there's a distinction to be made. I think, and again... Uh, referencing our brilliant conversations with Deep Chalk. Um, I think that they most certainly can tell you like what they want. However, can they explain? There, there was a, a, uh, a haze over how exactly 151 morphed into the budget thing. It's like, so that's what was confusing, I think, for most people in Kentucky is like, oh, well, the teachers called the strike off again. Like, well, they were real quiet about 151. What happened? Oh, they're doing it because of the budget? Well, why are they doing it because of the budget? And we even saw that the messaging f- 
from like the KEA and the county, you know, teachers associations and stuff like that were conflicting. That's right. Like we had we had one one side uh, was telling the teachers, "Hey, we've got to plo- oppose this new budget and this new tax bill because if not, uh, Bevan will have complete control have over spending, and, and, and there'll be a special session. Anything can happen there, but Bevan controls it, and it's going to be awful. He's going to cut funding and stuff." Other people were saying, "Hey, this bill doesn't go anywhere near this budget. Doesn't go anywhere near far enough for our concerns." We he vetoed it. That's a good thing for us. We should let you know, let that veto go. And and so like now all of a sudden they don't even know what they want. The teachers are arguing amongst themselves. I think gen, you know generally they all want more funding for schools. They want their pensions to be safe. Okay, fair you know, enough. They, 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 and, and maybe that was a mischaracterization. I think I think more of more of what I'm speaking to is that you got a whole bunch of people involved, and the people who are involved don't know. And I right. guess when I'm talking about the messaging. Not necessarily talking about the teachers, but all the people who showed up, quote unquote, in support of the teachers. You know, Mm -hmm. what did they learn that day at the Capitol? Did they learn anything about our pension system, how it got there, uh, where it's at, how to make it better? No. What they got was a Democratic candidate standing up for votes. They showed up to a stump speech. Yeah, Yeah. they showed up to a stump speech. Exactly. Right, right. And, And that is the most disgusting thing that this could have turned into to me. Mm-hmm. And, and to that candidate, like if you stand with teachers, make a plan. Right. There, were, there was no plan. Um, uh, put it into action. Talk, at least talk about uh, the problems. You know what I'm saying? But that's not, that's not what it was. That's too much to ask for, right? Right. And, and the problem is that, that now we've got, you know, Bevan is, is painted as the devil and the Democratic Party of Kentucky is painted as the angel. Yeah. And, and, and both of them have been demons in the background, you know, spending, spending pension money left and right when they need it. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on the mark. I will, I will add this because Friday was not a good day for either side because Bevan, true to form, <laughs> later on that night, because they had called, you know, school off again, comes out and does drop a quote that's worthy of, of just eviscerating him over. Bevan comes out and he says, you know, because these teachers shut down school today, I guarantee you there's a kid out there who got sexually abused. Or drank poison I, I and ended up in the a, hospital. There's a kid who ingested poison and because a single mother couldn't pay for childcare. Like, well, Matt, uh, maybe you need to figure out a way to get single parents money for <laughs> childcare. Or maybe you need to do something about the apparently rampant sexual abuse problem that's going on. And a Apparently he's never heard of a snow day yeah, I mean, or a spring break. I, like, for God's sakes, like what, what are you saying, dude? And I mean, like he's so, saying that the parents of Kentucky are so disgusting that, that one day without school and they'll be, they'll be dead. So they'll we, be, we <laughs> they'll see, be victim. We see a week ago, you know, Matt Bevan was talking about, um, you know, Hey man, we've got to fix. He was talking about policy. He was talking about, we got to fix this pension thing. Look at this. We got these numbers and stuff. And the teachers were like, you know, hey, we're going to stand up for what's promised us by the inviolable contract by Friday. It is, you know, by the following Friday, it is, uh, what is it, uh, Lundgren Grimes, and uh, uh, who's our Secretary of State, and uh, Bashir, who's our Attorney General, basically giving campaign speeches 
and Bevin, you know, doing his worst Rush Limbaugh impersonation. I mean, like that's we we really did have about seven days of of peace, and then that's what it devolved into. And remember earlier, I I did say like I'm not defending Matt Bevin. This is why because Matt right. Bevin's a scumbag, and yeah. he's he's not too bright, man. Yeah, I mean, but but the point, I mean, they're all scumbags. Like they and and that's what. This this buying into one side versus the other, you know, especially on an issue like this. So I think what it speaks to is, you know, we've called oftentimes for local activism. And I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that the teachers shouldn't have stood up for themselves. No, I love it. And should. I applaud them for, yes. for, for striking. I and mean, like honestly. you said, and it's, it's beautiful because it got everybody. Shit, it got us. And, and other people looking into the pension problem and trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. But when you start to get co-opted, that's when you need to pump brakes. Like your activism is now being abused and misplaced. And, you know, that's right. We can't stand on the on the slogan. Um, you know, I stand with teachers like right. you've got to inspect that and say, well, are you really standing with teachers or are you just standing for my vote? That is uh, that that is what it has become. So I mean, I think the question is, where does it kind of go from here, right? And so one of those voices that that I feel is uh, absolutely like trying to co-opt this thing for political gain is Andy Bashir, our Attorney General. That being said, he's brought a lawsuit against Senate Bill One Fifty One, which I think it absolutely has merits um, right and this so, is this is challenging the constitutionality of it passing because right. there was no actuarial analysis which yeah. is required by the state of kentucky for any bill that would have some kind of economic effect right 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 and that i think i think that's ultimately going to be its strongest point um but he's got a bunch of things in there that he lists uh as you know violating the the uh constitute the constitution of kentucky in one way or another and a lot of it has to deal with the inviolable contract, which, man alive, that gets pretty wild and scary when we start talking about a Supreme Court ruling on the inviolable contract, because they, they put themselves in a bit of a wedge here. There is a prior ruling that says, yeah, the inviolable contract means that we have to provide uh, you know, these things that we promised as a state. At the same time, in, and I'm not going to go into that case, but at the same time, that ruling was also saying that the General Assembly does have latitude in some areas over things to see how it gets paid. Like the, the, the inviolable contract can never be considered to completely hamstring the General Assembly from changing anything. Right. You know so what I mean? does this mean for, uh, for Bashir's lawsuit? Well, what I, what I think it means, uh, you know, again, I think his, his strongest point is there's a law that says if you're going to pass a bill, it has to have an actuarial analysis. They're trying to say that 151's actuarial analysis is Senate Bill 1's. Right. Because they had one done on that. They had one done on SB1. The problem SB is... SB151 is essentially rewritten from yeah, 1. Well, the nine, the, there's a nine-page difference. And the problem is, is that SB1 actually saves some money. SB Nobody is saying that 151 will save money. It's, it's more about stemming the bleeding. Right. right? It's, it's stopping the tide moving forward. Right. Since we're not, we're not talking about changes to mostly... Um, changes to current teachers, yeah, um, and and their retirement. But we're instead we're saying in the future when we're hiring teachers, they will not buy into this same pension system that's hemorrhaging. Right, which should hopefully stop it from expanding and stuff. And right, because every can just, year it's it's you know two more billion. Yeah, four it's, it's going to grow. So that way we can look at a concrete number and attack it. So 
it'll be really interesting to see what what Andy Bashir's lawsuit ultimately you know bears out. I will say to kind of kick it back, we were talking about mixed messaging. I think it's very interesting that Andy Bashir has listed in the lawsuit that the modifications that SB 151 makes to sick time and the way that sick time is factored into teachers' pensions, he calls that uh, breaking the inviolable contract. The KEA, as back in October, had that listed on their website as things that were not covered that do not by the inviolable contract. contract. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so even you know, and you have to look, you know, of this issue. Andy Bashir and the KEA are on the same side. You know. Yeah. So wait, I mean, wait, wait. Say that again. Andy Bashir and the KEA are on the same side of this issue. This oh of this issue okay yeah, yeah. I said yeah I said of this issue no I'm, I'm still saying. in team sports mode here yeah. like wait 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 they're playing for the same team is that is that why they had Democratic politicians stump speeching at their event okay. yeah so that's the conspiracy mind in me there it is so we'll see uh, you know we'll see what happens with 151 of of more pressing concern to me man is what the hell are we gonna do about the pensions man? no kidding and and man are we behind the eight ball yeah um, it's been it's been 40 years back. We should have started paying real close attention and we're only striking now. Yeah. Um, so it might be a case of too little, too late, but hopefully not. I think things like SB 151, like you said, at least they stem the tide. And, and now are we supposed to get behind Bashir to, to stop this from happening? You know, I don't know. I, I want that thing. I kind of want that thing to pass. Yeah. I, I feel like education be damned. I mean, there's something to be said for attracting good teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at some point, you're, you're on a ramen budget shopping for Ferraris, right? Well, a, a good question is, if he kills 151, what's the next version of the pension bill look like? Oof. You know what I mean? Now, 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 I think the teachers are hoping that they can seriously alter the makeup of the legislature come November before you know it gets dealt with again. But you know, what if he can't? Well, I think that's where we need to have a general conversation about the problem and, and you know, the, the possible solutions. It's all about money. We've mm-hmm. got to raise more money, so uh, you know we're looking at at taxes. Well, yeah, I do think the conversation goes to revenue, and and the reason that it's not cuts because that would be the Republican suggestion, right? Is that we need to look at cuts, we need to tighten the budget, <laughs> yeah. you know, so on and so forth. But if you look at uh, that tax bill and the budget bill that you know were just that got passed in that intervening week after you know one fifty one. And then veto, uh, vetoed by Bevin, and then actually the assembly came back the day of the, the second strike, walkout, whatever, um, and the assembly overrode them. But basically everybody was up in arms because they had finally put funding into the budget for education. And so, you know, to, to lose that all of a sudden, you know, nobody wants to see that because we're terrible at education. Right. One, of the, one of the problems in this state is that we never recovered um, our, our progress on education after 2008, whereas we've seen other states start to finally dig out of that hole. Which We're is not. funny because I think we actually, we pay teachers in Kentucky pretty high uh, on the national average. I think we're 14th. Uh, in, I, in teacher pay, not sure if we're quite that. That that sounds like a Benzo one to me, but yeah. yeah, but no, we're by no means at the bottom. I don't think you know. I mean, we're probably middle of the pack. But uh, so you have to start looking at revenue because you know there's not much to cut here in this state. I mean, we've been cutting stuff, and it's right. it's, it's not working. Well, there's problems with revenue too, man. 
for instance, in this new bill, uh, one of the ways they approached it was they decided to uh, increase 17 more services that they're going to start charging our 6% sales tax. That's right. Well, I mean, who who's that going to affect? Who, who bears you know? the brunt of those increases? Right. It's, well, it's, it's overwhelmingly the the working class. Right. Right. And and I think this budget actually, or this uh, this tax bill actually has cuts to some of the top ten percent earners as well. Yeah, uh, there there positive. are some. Well, there are some things in there that will amount to cuts. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that Kentucky's tax brackets are kind of upside down already. Right. They are absolutely upside down. Sorry, I was grabbing a drink of water. But uh, the lowest two brackets in Kentucky actually pay 9 and 10%. And the top uh, bracket in the state of Kentucky pays 8%. That's, to me, that's ridiculous. And, and here's why. Um, especially in light of, of Citizens United and, and money being considered speech, if, if money gets you a politician's ear through messaging and your money is your speech, and, and the richest people have the most influence in, in our government, then why the fuck is the bottom percent paying more of, more of the tax burden? Right. Why? Right. For wh- how can you justify that? In, in any world. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just totally well, unjustifiable. Even, even, even I, don't, I don't even think, that's so jacked up. Like, I don't even think the, most, the strictest adherence to like Reaganomics and, and trickle down economics want a completely upside down tax bracket. That's ridiculous. Like there's a difference between saying, Hey, we need to ease back taxes on the wealthiest because we think that'll encourage spending. And we need to have the poor people pay a larger percentage of their income in than the rich people. I mean, that's a, that's two I mean, completely I live, different arguments. I live in a, in a, in a lower income neighborhood. We don't even have sidewalks, fam. I'm telling you, we don't even have sidewalks. So when, when you think about, what portion of government money um, is used where? I think overwhelmingly um, it benefits uh, the top portions of the, the, the earners. I, I don't have any hard stats, facts, or figures right, for right, that. Right. That's just the way I feel. I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars being poured into, it, poured into infrastructure. Um, and, and, and who's wearing down the roads? You know, it's the truck drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the, and granted, they pay, they pay an extra tax on that. Right. Um, but still, I think the, the infrastructure projects, you know, who bears the benefit of spending millions of dollars downtown? Is it the working class guy who can't go spend money at the restaurants and the shops? You know what I'm saying? Who's, who's shopping at the, at the businesses, the high dollar businesses that have, that have benefited from our, our tax spending? Right. Um, it's, it's, it's not the guy who's paying 10%. It's the guy who's paying 8%. Well, specifically, specifically in, in the case that you're talking about, as far as like revitalizing downtown, that the idea is to benefit everybody by, you know, making a more vibrant downtown, attracting more businesses. You I mean, know, I becoming, get it. There, there's towns that have done it. And there's an argument to be made there, but overwhelmingly, and, and I, I'm saying it disproportionately provides benefit. Right. To, to the rich. Well, to the to corporations and the rich, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing, man. I got bad news. <laughs> because while I completely agree that we have to f- fix the tax bracket issue, because, you know, that upside down tax bracket, is, that's, there's, there's no excuse for it. Um, spending or increasing revenue is not going to get us out of this either. Right? <laughs> Turns out that over the last two fiscal years, corporate tax revenue has fell. Uh, in fact, last year for fiscal 2017, 
our projections of corporate tax revenue fell uh, to the tune of $138 million and created serious shortfalls and, you know, added more debt. You Ouch. know what I'm saying? Ouch. Uh, the other problem is Kentucky is ranked 46th out of 50 on income. Like how much, you know, how wealthy the state is, how much income we bring in. 18% of Kentucky is below the poverty level. Wow. So we need jobs, right? Well, we have a 5% unemployment rate and a 54% employment to population ratio, which ranks us 45th. What, so what does that mean for the uh, big picture? So there's a, there's a difference between just, yeah, well, actually, I want to clarify that last number. There's a difference between unemployment rate and then the employment to population ratio. So basically what that's saying is out of all the people in Kentucky, 54% are employed. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The ratio is like 54%. Yeah. So what does that mean is, is, uh, the old adage bled out of a stone. man. <laughs> I mean, like, sure. You know, we can, we can increase taxes on the rich. We can increase taxes on corporations, but you know, we're if losing corporations are already leaving. We're losing some corporations. Others aren't making as much money as they were, you know? Yeah. And then on the other side, you know, obviously people at the bottom, we can't afford like to keep throwing sales taxes on and we can't afford to, you know, well, we definitely can't uh, afford 10% income in the tops at, you know, 8% or whatever it is. So we're kind of in a wedge, man. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the, you can't cut your way out of it because you can't make things worse and you can't spend your way out. Of it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, the state of Kentucky is probably Illinois is actually in worse shape than we are, uh, pension wise. They're probably going to do it first, but the state of Kentucky is probably going to declare bankruptcy. And those will be the first two states in history to declare Oof. bankruptcy. <laughs> Can you believe we're there? And I feel like we've got some Hail Mary passes. Um, you know, like like legalizing weed for one. Yeah. I mean, we've seen weed legalization um save other cities and other states right. um across America and you know, it's not all roses. Right. Um but it can can definitely help. I don't have numbers but well, um, I, I sense a weed episode in our future. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel it. I feel it coming on. We actually, uh, we actually just received a request for it. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. There's a, a marijuana episodes coming, and we'll we'll cover kind of the tax implications of that um, in that episode too. But I think it's a no brainer, man. I think it's a no brainer. Um, it brings in plenty of revenue that wasn't there before. It can do nothing but help. Um, and, and in fact, our democratic politicians are finally here in Kentucky, um, talking about it and, and pushing for it. So maybe we'll see some action there, but on the other hand, you know, if, if Bevin is, is, is representing the, the Christian right, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the people who are still holding on against legalization. Well, and anyone who's making millions and millions of dollars in the state of Kentucky off the black market. Um, but I won't go there. (laughs) So. You know, maybe, maybe we have a chance there um, to, I will to plug say, the holes. I think before we get away from it, I think we have to, we have to be careful, though, because I've seen uh, Bevin also be demonized for his stance on gambling because he's, he's anti-gambling. And that's the argument that comes up. It's like, well, it's, you know, it's the Christian right. You know, they're opposing gambling and stuff. I, man, that's outdated. And, and, and I'm telling you what. I don't, I don't have a Rasmussen poll or anything like that. I'm just saying from what I've seen, man, most people are, are pretty okay with gambling and those who aren't, aren't okay. It's not from a Christian standpoint. It's, hey, 
I will say I was listening to, to Christian radio the other day on my way through uh, on my way through Chick-fil-A. No, it was actually Zaxby's. I <laughs> figured I'd throw Chick-fil-A out there. Um, uh, and, and this guy was railing against weed smokers as if they were like deserved the wrath of God. You're so no, you're absolutely right. But you're, you're also for one, you're talking about weed. I'm talking about gambling, but for two, I'd actually kind of make this argument about weed because you're right. The Westboro Baptist church out in Kansas, those people exist. Yeah. Uh, people calling into Christian radio stations. Yeah, they're probably going to be a little extreme, too. But I think the majority of people, man, have relaxed their attitudes both about weed and gambling. And what concern there is for gambling, I think, are legitimate concerns about the social ills that show up with casinos. Because, you know, casinos actually do have a tendency to devastate low-income things. Sure, and and you you need to look no farther than the the Kentucky Lottery. I mean, if you go out any any poor gas station, any gas station in the poor end of town, um, you will see people standing around scratching off lottery tickets. They can't yeah. afford lottery tickets yeah. and they're hoping for the big win. And, you know, they spend $500 uh, and win a hundred and feel like it was a good thing. Yeah. You know, feel like it was a good day. Me, so, me personally, like, you know, I'm, I'm all for legalizing weed. I'm all for legalizing uh, casinos with, you know, with some oversight, you know, sure. the, but, uh, but I also, you know, the, the, very much so in this state, the knee jerk is, oh, well, it's Bevin and the Christian right. And like, that's not, that's not really a Christian thing, man. Like, you know, I mean, like, especially gambling, it's, it's, it's not a Christian thing. Like, yeah. You know? Then what is it? Then who, who huh? are the people out there who are still, who are still anti-weed and, and anti-gambling? Like, where are they? Who? Well, but I mean, like, are they objecting to it on Christian grounds? Are there Christian pastors out there just railing against the, the fucking, the, uh, the descent into madness that weed will cause. I, I I don't think it's out there. When was the last time you went into a Baptist church, my friend? Uh, more recently than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Touche. 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 <laughs> well, while we may, we may disagree on that, we can definitely <laughs> both agree that Kentucky's pension system has more than likely failed without uh yeah. without any chance of recovery. Yeah, it is um, a failure. Who knows if we can recover or not. But any any sort of Hail Mary pass we may come up with at this point is gonna require some compromise and some sacrifice. Um so so where do we go from here? You know, what what do we do from here? I think we can look at this situation and and even understanding that it's an utter failure we can take, you know, we can look on the bright side of life and we can, we can take some things out of it moving forward. And, Uh and for one, I would say like, stop being played by your emotions. Like Mm -hmm. don't, when we look at this pension situation and we come out of it after a, you know, a Friday strike and, and we say, well, I'm going to get to the polls and vote Democrat, Mm -hmm. uh, next election, you know, no, no, that's wrong. (laughs) You know, the, the Democrats, caused this just as much as the Republicans caused it. Um, so, so don't play the team sports. It's not yeah. helping anyone. You're just asking uh, for, for more trouble in the future. Well, and, and not to mention, you know, and in, in letting them whip up your emotions. So, you know, here just a second ago, I said we can't cut our way out of it and we can't tax our way out of it. And what are we going to do about the inviolable contract? Well, the thing is, is we've allowed both those teams to whip up uh, whip up a frenzy over it. Like we've got the Republicans telling us, you know, oh, it's lazy teachers and we need to make all these cuts and stuff. Well, dude, cuts alone ain't going to get yeah, it. Yeah, that doesn't do it. 
And then over here, we hear the Democrats saying, well, hey, you know, we just we just got to raise taxes. There's a revenue shortfall and and da 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 da. Well, we have the 13th highest tax burden in the country already. So <laughs> we can fix who's paying those taxes. It's going to take a compromise of both of those positions and probably some tweaking with the inviolable contract to get where we're going in which in if we're going to fix it, we have to all be in it together. Right. You know, we all have to be giving a little bit and taking a little bit and, you know, to find that way forward. You this bad a problem. Not, I promise you one side doesn't have the answer. And no way about how this was covered in the media or social media um, in general. Uh, n- nothing about this was was bringing people together. Nothing. This was all divisive uh, from the get from any angle. Yeah. yeah. From from both sides. Yeah. Um, I would also say if we take a lesson from this. Let's clean up both the way we handle passing bills, um, specifically in Kentucky. Let's not allow bills to be slipped in uh, under, you know, under the cover of some other bill. Like, I think that's an egregious example of corruption. There's mm-hmm. no reason for it. Um, I would also love to see a push in, in the clarity of bills. So one of, the, mm-hmm. one of the pieces of feedback we got from Deep Chalk um, <laughs> is that it was really hard to read through the bill and understand it because of the way it was written. It would refer back to itself in this section and, you know, forward to itself in this section. And this mm-hmm. would apply to that. And that happens in just about every bill that's passed. And, and I understand, like, maybe there's some reason for that. You know, it's got to be incredibly specific when you're writing good legislation. You, you say you understand that there's some reason for that. You mean you and I have argued about this on your back porch <laughs> many times. That's right. But we both acknowledge there is a balance to be found between not making it, you know, to, to making a streamlined version and also still allowing for the precision that is that language right. is born out of a need for precision. That's and true. It's finding born the out balance of it, but between I the two. I also think that, um, you know, the Queen's legalese, if you will, is also used to obscure meaning and truth right um especially for points that are contentious well why not pass why not like basically in effect pass a law that says that there has to be a uh common english oh i'd love it bill and you've seen that you've seen a lot of companies step forward and do that on their terms of conditions nowadays Uh you will have one version that is the legalese and then on the right hand side you'll have the plain english you know, we're going to use all your pictures and, and, and yeah. screw you out of your royalties, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I think, we, I think we, we need something like that. I think we ought to have, like right now, if you're looking at a revision of a bill, it's, it is hard as hell to determine, uh, you know, what goes where because it says this section will replace section 36C, you know what I'm saying? So then you have to read that new section. You have to go back to 36C, establish context as a programmer. I've worked with uh, with with diff programs that'll give you uh, a visual output of the difference between two pieces of text. Like, why do we not have that available for for every of every single one of our legislators and the public? You know, yeah. I'd like to see Bill A and Bill B and and highlighted in red what's changed. You mm-hmm. know, what I'm saying highlighted in green what's new additions. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and strike through for things that have been taken out. It, it'd make it easier for everyone involved. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you this. I mean, this basically kind of happens every week, but, uh, no, I completely back up your point in the fact that I, I never want to read about pension systems again, <laughs> ever, ever, ever again after this week, man. All never right. Again. We'll just, we'll strike it from the conversation. <laughs> list from here on out. Um, I think the other big, 
big takeaway in the macro, in the big picture from this, um, is to punish your own team when they break the rules, guys. Like, mm. if you were at Friday's protest and you realized, holy shit, I just showed up for a stump speech. Yeah. Man, you've got to hold your people to task. Like, I understand you want to win, um, you know, and the elections are coming up and, and you want people to show up and show out for your candidate, but that's, that's the attitude that gets us into this problem. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's, that's one of the reasons, one of the tools that politics uses um, to allow for 40 years of bad votes and bad spending when it comes to the pensions, because yeah. there's no accountability. Right. Um, you, you just, just have dump to, it on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. You just dump it on the other side and, and you, and you create a devil. Um, and then you both get to act like demons, you know, and we're the ones that get screwed in that situation every single time. Um, I think we can also look at the micro level at, um, at SB 151 and, and look at some of the good things that might come from that too. Yeah, no. So we, we ideally, if, if the law stands, we have, we have, potentially stop the bleeding and the other good news is you know they did override his vetoes so education uh, actually got a little shot in the arm comparatively for what we have been spending there you go uh, with the tax bill and the revenue bill and uh, those are definitely things to build on going forward and and from here on out we need to not have situations like has happened over the last fall and spring where both sides didn't want to budge and then we got this this bleh at the end, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's uh, I, I think you know looking looking at it overall, that's that's what makes like this whole strike thing interesting. Is that I you can look at it both ways. I mean, you can on one hand you can say, well, I mean, you know they they went on strike even though they got what they wanted, and and now their message is all muddled and mixed, and and what did they produce? Yeah, but, I I take it the other way, and I say, um, the strike was a great thing. It got people involved in politics. It it let our politicians know, like, you know, at some point enough is enough, and that's that's a great thing for the small guy to have a voice. Like, I'll never I'll never discount that. You know. For the people who who had to find childcare for their kids, like I'm sorry, um, but you know at some point that's a sacrifice that that has to be made. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to see them sharpen their focus in the direction of their energies, but largely I agree with you. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's a that's a really clear point to to end this episode with is that um, when you when you take an action like this, you know that affects the general public in a large way get your ducks in a row and have them in a row. Um, because otherwise, you you know, you you end up with wasted energy and, and maybe you even give, uh, give the other side, you know, ammo against you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I think we both know what's about to happen, right? Yeah. Talk about ammo against us. Well, I mean, the mayor, the police chief, I think it's safe to assume that we're about to be taken to school. Huh? (laughs) Benzo, what do you got for us today? Oh, so you think you got all beans pegged, huh, Theory? You fellas think that you're on to my shtick. Well, here's a newsflash, buddies. Beanzo is just another word for wild card. I mean, can you predict a storm? Yes. Oh, facts? What? Exactly. Fact checking is my business, but my currency is freshness. I have no idea what that means. Well, you didn't have any idea how much a top tax bracket pays in Kentucky either, so I can't say I'm surprised. You were right that the bottom two brackets pay 9 and 
but the top bracket pays 6% theory, not 8. Tilt your head left, buddy. Seems like you read numbers with a rightward slant. Don't feel too bad, theory. Since just prepared for a week and did an hour-long episode about SB 151 and somehow thinks that Matt Bevan signed it into law five days before he did. It's odd. You'd think he would have accidentally seen what day it was if he'd have read up on the... <laughs> oh, right. Of course, Theory did read all this stuff. Just loves reminding us of all that research he did every episode. I mean, he can't be bothered to get Chris Tobe's name right, but rest assured he read it at some point. So, buddies, you did actually learn today. I'll give you that. You learned trying to box Beanzo in with your assumptions and expectations is like trying to catch sunshine in a Skittles bag during a mid-July hurricane. Consider yourself schooled. Class dismissed. Yeah, I think we got off pretty easy. I thought he was going to break out the ruler and ask us to bring apples next week. Like, how do you how do you catch sunshine in a Skittles bag? Man, don't overthink it. I, anyway, last week we got rudely interrupted during our call to action um, by Beans singing, thinking he's some kind of uh, bad boy or something. Anyway, like, dude, no, I mean, like, hurricane season starts in August. It's 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 not even in July. Like, so I, come find us on iTunes. Leave a review. It's really important for a small show like this. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to take off. We're trying to reach as many listeners as possible. And I understand I probably pissed off a lot of teachers today. I'm sorry. I just uh, just want to apologize, but I call it how I see it. Um, like if they, okay, if there's a hurricane, there's no sunshine. I mean, there's find us on uh, on Reddit. We've got a subreddit. Um, even an Instagram, I think we're going to post some pictures from today's episode on Instagram. So again, uh, if you've listened to the show, you've enjoyed it at all, uh, show some love back, show up on social media, leave us reviews, all that fun stuff. Just, Mash the like button. I just, I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Are, are you okay over there, man? No, I just, I just can't figure that out, man. Well, I can't really figure out how to work in Taylor Swift, so. <sighs> Hey folks, I'm Sense, one half of the Sense of Theory podcast. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Uh, it's your time and attention that makes this show worthwhile. Uh, we do the show for you and our listeners. Um, I'd ask you to leave a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Uh, come check us out on the various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find the links uh, in the description to the show. And uh, if you want to reach out with a comment, uh, joke, uh, funny anecdote, uh, you want to call me an idiot, uh, sense and theory podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week.